This is the Big Believer Podcast, the show designed to help you break free from the life you don't want and move towards the life you do. We're in this together. Let's go. Welcome to the Big Believer Podcast. I am your host, Dustin Stern, life coach and founder of Big Believer Coaching. Thanks so much for joining me. On today's podcast episode, I am really excited about our guest. His name is Jordan Tordowski. And Jordan and I have known each other since college. We were in the same business fraternity. And after college was really where our lives really diverged. Jordan started in the corporate world and really soon after realized that it just wasn't for him. And he had always had an itch to travel. And that's what his gut, his intuition was telling him to do. And he went for it and began this incredible stretch of travel and excitement and obstacles to overcome and challenges and loneliness and beauty and friendships. And I was able to really just see all of this from afar. And it really inspired me to start looking at myself and what I really wanted and helped me step into the unknown Obviously a lot later than he did, but he got me to really start to dream and see what was possible. And and I shared this with Jordan, but as I decided to do this podcast and started brainstorming people to have on, on the show, Jordan was the second person on my list. And the reason is he just embodies everything of what this podcast is about, about breaking free from the life you don't want and moving towards the life that you do. He's someone that has walked the walk and really has a fascinating story. So I'm really excited for you all to hear from him and just the the journey that he has been on. So without further ado, let's get right to my conversation with Jordan Tordowski. Hey, Jordan, welcome to the Big Believer Podcast. What's going on, Dustin? Good to see you. You too. You too. So, so where, where are we uh, hearing you from? Where are you right now? Yeah, I'm currently based in Warsaw, Poland, out in the Eastern European fronts. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into, get into all that. But um, yeah, as I mentioned in the, in the introduction, Jordan has been just a big influence in my life in terms of going after what you want in life. And and getting out of your comfort zone in order to do it. I, I, I kind of envision my, my life and the way I want it to go is, you know, late, late in my life, I have my grandkid on my lap and I'm telling him the story of my life. And there are challenges and obstacles and exciting things. And, you know, that to me is a rich life. And what, what Jordan has demonstrated is that that's possible to, to really go after what it is you want and 
So, so Jordan, I'm really, really excited for you to share your story. And, you know, normally what I have guests do is tell their story up front and, and then we kind of go into whatever it is we go, we go into, but I think what would be really cool and effective for this conversation is to tell the story throughout the podcast and kind of have, have us go on your journey with you. I think that would be really cool. So would that be something that you're up for? Let's do it. Great. Great. So just from what I know about you and your story and kind of where, where I left you off, to be honest, is right after college. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can start there, Jordan, just kind of paint the scene of what life was like after college. And then what kind of forces eventually started to pull you into something different for yourself? Yeah, so I graduated college in 2011. And um, with our business fraternity, you know, we kind of all had the expectations of getting that cushy corporate job and sail off into the ocean blue with, you know, working that nine to five job in a big house. And so I, uh, I got I got my, my job, I guess, um, you know, a couple of days before graduation, there's a lot of pressure to get that job. And I was kind of one of the last ones to get one. But end up getting it. And, um, you know, the first couple of months were that honeymoon phase where things were exciting. It was new. I was learning. I was um, part of a team. But soon those feelings wore off. And uh, probably around like four or five, six months into the job, I just felt that things were not right. Things felt really wrong. I just didn't, wasn't really excited about what I was doing. There was thoughts in my head of like, can I, I couldn't even imagine doing that for the next you know, 10, 20, 30 years of my life. And I just knew that I needed to make some kind of change. I just kept suppressing these feelings of, you know, dissatisfaction and unfulfillment, you know, doing the the typical routine, waking up early, going to work, sitting in traffic, coming home, you know, spending like 30 minutes at the gym, eating quickly, going to bed and the same thing, you know, every weekend, week out. And uh, yeah, I just was really unsatisfied with the way things were going. And um, so I've always actually worked with kids. Uh, I was a camp counselor. I always you know, babysit when I was younger. I always enjoyed working around kids. Actually, at that time, I was working in the education field. But at that moment, it's kind of like sales consulting. So we were setting up these educational programs throughout the, throughout the U.S. and was teaching teachers how to teach. I enjoyed being in the school environment, but I actually wanted to teach kids and to see you know, how that is because I've always enjoyed doing it. I also wanted to explore, I mean, since the age of two, I've been traveling, like my mom put me on a flight when I was two to visit my uncle for his wedding in Europe. So I've always, you know, had that in my blood. And I think now when I start learning about endorphins and dopamine, I'm starting to realize that I think I was like hooked on traveling uh, from a young age, you know, doing road trips and all that good stuff. And so I had, you know, really itchy feet to get out and do something different um, than what I was doing at the moment. I remember thinking, oh, maybe I'll go teach English in Spain. So I was looking into it and someone messaged me saying, hey, you should look into teaching English in South Korea. I mean, at that point, I literally knew nothing about Asia. If you gave me a map, I couldn't point to you in a map where Korea was. Korea, Japan, Thailand, China, those were all just a big, just, just Asia in general was just like one. I just didn't know the difference between the cultures, the language, the people. And so I was like, oh, that sounds like a really cool idea. So I uh, applied for a position. I went through the recruiting process and I was supposed to go with a friend. We both got our school selected. And about two months before about to leave, 
she messaged me saying, oh, my criminal background check came back and I totally forgot I stole like lip gloss or underwear or something, mm. <laughs> something silly in high school. And, uh, you know, to get a visa, you can't have a criminal background uh, to, to get a visa in Korea. I mean, it was stressful to go to the other side of the world where you don't know anyone by yourself, not knowing what to expect. But, you know, I had already kind of made my mind up at that point, talking to our mutual friend, Ryan Hansen. And he's just like, you're going where? You're going to South Korea? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And I kind of talk about this with some other people. It's like, what kind of helps me overcome those fears is doing something in advance, not really thinking it through, uh, which kind of sounds like a little idiotic, but it actually is what helps me get through things is just signing for things in advance. Because I think if I knew that I was leaving in a month, I probably wouldn't have done it. But since I signed up six, seven months in advance to leave, I was kind of mentally preparing myself. And it wasn't until I left when I remember sitting in the, air, in the airplane, looking out the window and being like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just left behind my family, my stable job, my girlfriend, everything that's familiar to go to the other side of the world where I know nobody. I'll never forget that feeling. It was, it was actually January 1st, 2013, because it's New Year's Day. So, you know, everyone was kind of like hung over that day and I was on a flight <laughs> that began this whole journey um, that, you know, now it's seven years and New Year's Day is always a reminder of me of the day that I kind of took, you know, a massive leap uh, towards the unknown and towards something that, you know, I knew I wanted to do something different, but at that moment I had no idea where it would lead. Wow, what a powerful start to the story. I I just don't want to gloss over just how incredible it was that you had an impulse to go and you went. I you know, just just from hearing what you were talking about with your old job when you got out of college, I mean, man, I remember how stressful it was to get that job <laughs> um as we graduated and it was life or death almost literally it felt like and just the desperation you were feeling about am I really, do I really have to do this for the next 10, 15, 20 years? I, I remember my first day at, um, at a commercial bank that I worked for right out of college, cushy salary. I was so excited. I remember putting on my tie in the morning and just like racing out to the car to drive. And by the time I got home 10 hours later, I, my tie felt like a noose. I was almost in tears. And I remember I went to the gym just deflated. I remember looking at myself in the mirror with tears in my eyes going, am I really expected to do this for the next 30 or 40 years? And I'll never forget my something in my mind basically scolded me and said, this is life. It's not supposed to be easy. You're setting a good example for your brothers and you will get used to it. Mm -hmm. And I obeyed. It was so, it was so strong that I had to, I had to obey that. And it wasn't until dang, like seven years later when that desperation got so loud that I had to listen. But even then it was obstacles of, of talking to friends and family and, and all the fears that came with the unknown. So yeah, just before we, before we move on to the next, the next chapter, Jordan, I know you said one of the ways you kind of circumvented that, which is brilliant in a lot of ways is you just signed up and and you, you're worried about it when you're on the flight um saving yourself from yourself is what it sounds like um what were what were some of the other challenges um 
to actually get you to sign up. Cause I know, I know that's no easy feat to, to jump into the unknown. So just to add to that, um, the, uh, the, I've had this experience before where like, for example, I have a fear of heights. Um, so when we were in Korea, I, was I saw there was this really cool soul hiking group that's out there and you go hiking and they do weekend trips and there was one trip to go hiking and bungee jumping and I was like this is so cool I'm like this sounds amazing and I signed up for it completely forgetting the fact that I have a fear of heights <laughs> so we we do it uh we do the hike and then we get to this massive I think it was like 60 meters um tall uh, big crane and we're about to bungee jump and you know my friend is videotaping it for for and his gopro and about halfway up we're you know i'm having fun with the with the video and then all of a sudden i just get silent and white and i can't i i can't even talk i can't even move the door opens and i can't even move my legs uh because i just am absolutely petrified and you know, I eventually do it uh, with a lot of assistance and a lot of motivation and uh, thanks to that Korean staff for walking me through it. But uh, that was just kind of another example of, you know, just signing up for something that sounds really cool. Like I thought teaching in Korea would be just such a cool thing, but without really fully understanding what I was getting into. Uh, and I think that's kind of a way that I kind of hijack my fear system uh, is, you know, I'll see something that's cool and I'll just sign up for it in advance and without fully thinking, you know, how is this going to play out without letting those fears start, you know, circling in my head of like, oh, did you think about that? You know, so that's kind of one thing that kind of helps me. Um, the other thing that helps me get over that fear, and this was a really big factor as well, is like what you know fear setting um i there it wasn't a discussion back then or like a template or a discussion on tim ferris about fear setting but i literally was like did a cost benefit analysis of what would be the worst thing that can happen and what was the upside and the worst thing that happens is you know i get to korea i hate it i don't like it they don't like me they hate me i can't understand anything the food is terrible and I get on the next flight in a week and buy a flight back to Chicago and life goes back on. I find some job, you know, and, but I gave it a shot, but the upside was a whole new experience, learning a whole new culture, um, you know, making new relationships, making new friendships from all over the world. So that little, you know, little analysis in my head was what also helped me to make that decision was, you know, worst thing happens. I come back in a week. There's nothing to really lose minus of the cost of a flight. Yeah, that's, that's huge, Jordan. And just that cost benefit analysis, that's exactly what I did before I left for Aspen was, okay, what's the worst thing that happens here? I, I leave Aspen cause it wasn't working out. I don't have a job and I have to move back in with my dad. That's where I'm, that's where I'm talking to you right now. That's my reality. And I yeah. would have done that a hundred out of a hundred times. I, I don't have regret. I don't have regret at all. So even that's, that's, that's my big aha moment is even if the worst case scenario does happen, you're going to be fine and you're going to be better off for having tried. Just spending a little bit of time in that worst case scenario and saying the upside is so much greater. And if the worst case scenario happens, I'm going to be okay. So where do you want to take us now? You know, we kind of get these sense that if someone goes abroad or, you know, goes somewhere cool, that everything's great. But what I wanted to point out is that I feel like when you're abroad, the highs are so much higher 
but the lows are so much lower. So when you're home, it's like, it's a steady kind of like when I was doing, working my, you know, that, that corporate job, it's like, you know, sometimes it'd be highs, I get a bonus or we do something fun in the middle of the week, but the lows, you know, weren't so bad as well. Like, I don't know, you get a flat tire or something small. Um, but being abroad, the highs were so much higher. Like you're going to a new mountain that you've never seen before, or some Korean family invites you over to go have, you know, some traditional Korean dish with them. And it's just like, like your senses are like overwhelmed, but then, you know, the lows are much lower. So it's like you're away for Christmas or you're away from Easter. All your friends are getting together for these traditions that you used to always get together for. So that was kind of the experience, uh, I would say the first six months of, of, you know, it was, it was much more extreme in terms of the highs and the lows. I really worked a, a lot in my first year. I was, when I remember my first day of working, I was like, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. Like I can be myself. Uh, I love joking around. And you know, the more crazier I was in, in class and the more fun I had, the more the kids liked me, the more my manager was happy. So I was working a lot. And after the first year and a half, I worked almost like technically almost like two jobs. Um, and so, cause I enjoyed it so much and I was able to actually, pay off all my student loans and save up a chunk of change and take the next summer off to go to uh, the World Cup in Brazil and do Machu Picchu and also go out to Bolivia. I enjoyed it. I had a chance to come back home. And the crazy thing about coming back home was I was on a different path than what my friends were uh, going through. And it was just so, it was such, when I was meeting up with friends back in Chicago, you know, my friends were just talking about, oh, you know, our friend now is, you know, got promoted or this person works here. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, I'm just living in such a different world because me and my friends back in Korea were discussing like, you know, where are we going next break to the Philippines or Thailand or, mm. you know, it's, the, the discussions were so different. Uh, and I realized I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going down a different path than what my friends are going down here. Uh, so that was kind of a little bit eye opening uh, my first time back home visiting, you know, the old stomping grounds. I can imagine that that being disorienting. And and I'm just curious, Jordan, was it, and maybe it was a mix of both, but was it confirmation that what you were doing was right for you? Or was it this kind of insecurity that you're sort of on this way different path than everybody else? I think it was a mixture of both. Uh, it was definitely confirmation that I knew what I was doing at that moment was right. Um, I was enjoying what I was doing. I was like, I'm still young. I should be exploring while I still can before I have more responsibilities. On the other hand, I also, you know, I think that little doubt in the back of your head is always like, you know, you're not following the mainstream here. You're not following what you're supposed to be doing, what society's telling you. You know, maybe you're doing something wrong and maybe you'll regret this later on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that voice was in my head and sometimes always you know, pops in my head every once in a while whenever I take the, you know, the, the path least traveled of, you know, maybe this is going to bite you in the butt later on. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking about this now. I remember when you came back, I, I had met up with you, um, with a bunch of other friends from college and just, just, I remember the stark difference of our lives seeing you. And I felt, I remember feeling just threatened by it and just reflecting back it, there was this, it was that, that calling inside of me that was probably just saying, Hey, look, it's possible. And I still kind of just suppressed that. And, um, so, so it is really interesting that you, you woke something back up in me that 
I had maybe forced to go back to sleep for a while. And just by, just by, again, you, you living out your dream and me doing the whole corporate thing and, and, and hanging out with the same people and being in the same city, which was all fine. But there was something that I saw in you that I wanted for myself and you helped to wake that back up in me while wow, I'm just remembering that now. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was meeting a couple people as well that would also kind of have this, you know, like, Oh, I always want to do this. We're so curious about, uh, you know, what was going on and um, uh, what it was like to live abroad. Yeah, it was a really unique situation coming back for the first time. So I was in Korea. So I went back. Uh, I really, you know, I, I enjoyed what I was doing. I, I really liked teaching. It was, it was really fun. And I joined a soccer team and we had a really great brotherhood and community. And it was really hard to, to leave that. After about, you know, two, three years, I saw what I wanted to see. I was teaching the highest level classes and I had that itch again. And I knew I was kind of feeling a little bit like I needed to grow, I needed a new challenge, I needed to do something. So we were getting paid pretty well at there at that, that point. Um, and so the, the money was was coming in in my bank account. But that was the first time I realized that money wasn't as much as a motivational factor as I thought it would be. Um, because while I was making good money, it just, I was just l- lacking the edge, the, you know, the, the motivation, the passion for life at that moment, and actually stumbled upon a book, uh, a four hour work week, which has now become like super popular, but just came at the right time. And it kind of helped put things into perspective of what I wanted to do next. And I always wanted to go back to uh, get my MBA or my master's. And so I applied for a program, um, which was super unique and is exactly what I wanted. It took us to four different countries. So the program was about 15 months. It started in Germany. So we did a semester in Cologne, Germany. We did a semester then in spring in Warsaw, Poland. And then we did the summer in China. And then the fall, we went to Jacksonville, Florida. And so it was a dual master's program. So it was like an MBA and a master's of intercultural communications and management. So it was a really, really fun program. It was like getting to travel because, you know, that three months I was telling you is kind of that honeymoon period. So we'd we'd go to, for example, Germany, and I forgot to tell you, but the program also had 10 people from Germany, 10 people from Poland, 10 people from China, 10 people from the States into this cohort of 40 people. And we would travel together. So we would go to Germany and uh, we would have to experience that honeymoon period of living in a new city, going to Oktoberfest and mm. living in Cologne. And then, you know, once everything became routine, all of a sudden we went to Warsaw and it was all over again. And then, you know, once that became routine, then we went to China and China was just mind blowing. Like it was just the wild, wild west. And it was so much fun. Then it wrapped up in the U.S. and it was such a, it was such a special 15 months and I really enjoyed it. And it was just exactly what I was supposed to do at that time. I was actually debating between doing that program and the one at Illinois. And it was, I'm really glad I did the one I did because it was just kind of perfectly aligned for what I wanted. Uh, it was education. It was international, had a great community. That must've been so cool to have 10 people from each country be able to, you get that authentic experience with, with that group of people, which must've been just so incredible. And I'm just curious at this point, did you, did you have career aspirations or again, was it something that you were just being present? And in this moment, I know I want to get my degree and this sounds like a really awesome way to get it. 
so I was kind of thinking that this, this program, since it ended in Florida, would be kind of like my transition back to American life and getting a corporate job. And, you know, always in my head, I was just like, you know, you're supposed to have a corporate job. That's what you see in TV. That's what's normal. And so, yeah, it was basically kind of like a transition into some kind of corporate job. But I always knew, you know, on my bucket list was always to kind of reach, you know, higher levels of education and getting a master's was, was one of those goals. So a combination of both. Got it. So at this point, you still had this, the American dream in your mind um, of what you probably should be doing. And mm-hmm. yeah, it almost, I, I can kind of hear the, the dialogue in your head, like, all right, you had your fun. Now it's time to be a real adult. Exactly. That's exactly what I was doing and thinking. And, you know, I started applying to some jobs towards the end of the program. You know, I had some connections to Google and some other companies where people were offering me to get my foot in the door. And I remember sending out the application and being like, oh, man, I really hope that they don't write back that they're interested because I just, it just didn't feel right again. I just felt like I wasn't ready to take that route again. Yeah. And how did you, how did you rationalize what your intuition was telling you? I mean, this, again, it sounds like it was this, this thing that was driving you to eventually get back into the corporate world. And now you have the opportunity to, to be at these giants of companies and make the kind of money you want to make. And your intuition is still saying, hang on, that's not what we signed up for. What was that relationship like with your gut? Yeah, as a fight, right? You have the two sides kind of fighting in your head. Your gut's telling you one thing. Your mind is portraying a different image. And uh, I just had to remind myself that feeling I had towards the end of my stint in Korea of like, you know, I was making money, but I wasn't fulfilled and reminded me that money wasn't going to be the main factor of my fulfillment and happiness. I had to remind myself that, you know, having that carrot of a nice cushy, job wasn't the main reason why I should pursue the next thing that I was going to pursue. And um, actually, I knew kind of what I've always wanted to do kind of deep inside was I always had this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial side to me. And I've always done random things uh, to sell. Like when I was young, I would just find my mom's old clothes in the, in the closet that she wasn't wearing. And I'd sell them on eBay. Um, <laughs> she'd be pissed when she'd like actually be looking for something. But then, you know, when I was in college, I rented out my scooter for people to get their motorcycle license. I'd be coming home with like $200 cash uh, for 45 minutes of work while people were working these internships for, you know, like 10, 12 bucks an hour. And so I kind of deep down knew that that's kind of what, I, what really drove me, like that, that desire, that hustle, that taking an idea and building into a brand or something like that. And so, you know, nothing was guaranteed, no money was guaranteed, but I knew that I would develop the skills and that I wanted. And more importantly, I would regret it if I didn't take that opportunity to start a business at that time. So <laughs> the story gets a little funny now, but while we were in China, I saw some of the manufacturing processes that were out there. I made some connections. And so while we were about to graduate our program, we of course have the graduation ceremony and, you know, we get that email when it's time to order our gowns that we're going to rent for the graduation ceremony. And a lot of the Germans in our program were like, this is unbelievable. They're already mad that they had to pay for textbooks for them. It's unheard of to pay for a textbook in school. They just, they, they couldn't believe that we had to buy books. And so actually the professor's 
had to send us materials because they refused to buy books. <laughs> and so again, they get upset about renting these gowns. And so I, I reached out to our, our program coordinator. I said, Hey, is it okay if I get these manufactured uh, for our, for our group, for our cohort, uh, for a cheaper price. And she's like, no, you can't because I talked to the administrators at school and they said, no, you can't because it's not going to be matching style or color or whatever. Um, but don't worry, Jordan, I got one for you from last year. Someone left it and then you could, you can use it. And I was like, okay. And so I actually ended up taking that. I had a connection with a manufacturer in China. I sent them that gown immediately express. Uh, they sent me back a sample and I, I, it was, it was even better than the one I sent. And I told my group, I said, Hey guys, I can get this for, let's say 25, 30 bucks cheaper. We can multiply it by, you know, 30, whatever we can save like 1200, 1300 bucks. We can use that money for end of year party. We can use that money to donate to a charity. Sounds like Robin hood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but of course when people selfishly were like, Oh, we'll just keep the money. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they're like, they're like, and I told them, I said, listen, the administrators are kind of not behind this idea, but like, this is what it looks like. And they said, you know what? It's fine. We'll wear it. Um, so I ordered them. They came in and <laughs> funny enough, the commencement speech was like, the guy's like, while you're sitting here in these old gowns that have been reused and you spent $80 to wear them for three hours that they're going to use next week at the university of Florida, the whole time, like laughing in my head, like, <laughs> this is <laughs> how, is he like talking to me? Like it no was, way. it was, it was super funny. And so, so that, that was when I kind of saw value in this. And I said, you know what? I want, I, I want to see, can I make something out of this? And so that's kind of when in, you know, when I graduated and I was sending out this application, I said, how I spent, you know, about two months and I was like, how about I run with this idea and let's see where this takes me. Maybe this is, this is the thing I want to work on. And um, so anyways, I was like, okay, I'm going to pursue this. And, you know, I don't want to be in Chicago. I, I'm actually a, a big diver. I love scuba diving. So I was like, why don't I just go to Thailand and live on an island um, where I can, the scenery is beautiful. I don't have to endure these Chicago winters and, you know, I can live there and work on this idea. And so that's kind of what was the next step was I, I, I bought a flight. I went to Thailand um, and yeah, I went on this little island that I really love and I um, decided that that's what I was going to do. What a, what an awesome story. And, um, you know, what I'm, what I'm really just aware of is there was something within you that was just really, really present in all this. And, and maybe the fears were there, but you were able to just try something that you were interested in and, and without the, the hows and the, and the, and the fears of the future and why this won't work, you seemingly were able to tap into this, this passion of yours that you remembered when you were a kid and, and we're just, your creativity was able to turn on because your brain wasn't so preoccupied with what you should be doing or, or what had to be next. And you just, it just sounds like so much creativity emerged, not just the, the business venture, but then taking it to a place you've always wanted to be and supplementing your income with being a scuba diving instructor too. I, I just, I hear so much creativity that I don't think would be present had you be overtaken by fears or shoulds or, or what ifs. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like now looking back at it, it seems like <laughs> when I talk about it, it seems like it was just so fluid and like there was no fears. But I remember going through those that that month was was, you know, when I when I was applying for those corporate jobs, I was dealing with this massive, you know, questioning of like, is this the right move? Maybe I should just follow the stable route. Maybe I should just take that path. I remember before I left for Korea, some guy at my company said, dude, what you're doing is insane. Don't do that. Just work for 20, 40 years. You'll retire and then you can go. And now I remember that logic was it's the craziest thing I've ever heard of because who wants to be go hike Kilimanjaro or go dance on some tables and in Seoul or go hiking when you're that age or go stay in a hostel or whatever those fun things you are you can do while you're still young mm. are fun you know you can't do that when you get older yeah so going through that time period it, it's, it's I don't want to neglect the fact that there was a lot of internal debate and self-doubt that was going on at that time period to take you know a route less chosen if I did get a corporate job if I did work at Google it's not something that I would really care about when I was older but knowing the fact that I didn't try when I had this like little opportunity, I already tried something and created some value, you know, with these gowns and that I didn't take it further. I would really, really regret that later on in life of not trying anything. So I think that that was the driving factor of, you know, am I going to regret this later in life by not seeking this opportunity? Powerful. Very powerful. Mm -hmm. All right. So take us to, uh, I think it's to the beaches of Thailand. It's like 35 degrees in Chicago right now. I could, uh, I could use, my imagination could use a little bit of that. Okay. I'm going to take you to my second home and try to sell it like an ad. So you <laughs> arrive, you arrive in Bangkok and then, you know, of course, Bangkok is mayhem. And so you take a, a, a bus and a ferry uh, to a long journey. You're sweaty. You just want to go somewhere nice and settle in and you finally arrive in the morning 8 a.m and a beautiful island called kotao and kotao stands for turtle island it's a beautiful beautiful island it's one of the, the smaller of the three islands that are out there kopenyang kosmui and kotao and it is it is kind of what you see in the movies right you have this small island you can get from north to south in about 10 minutes on a scooter the sunsets are absolutely immaculate. Like every day you go watch the sunset uh, at your favorite beach bar or, you know, beach or viewpoint. And there's delicious food. You know, you're eating Thai food for like two, three dollars. You can get a fantastic view of the whole beach and an amazing viewpoint out of your apartment for like 400 bucks a month with a, you know, cleaning lady once a week and then laundry and, and uh, it's one of my favorite places in the world because you feel so disconnected from the real world um, of, you know, the wars and the stock market and all this stuff. And because all the people that live on this island are like-minded, um, you know, it's a slower pace of life, there's island time. It was, this was an, such an amazing place. And uh, I kind of found my balance of what I wanted. I wanted to be out in nature in the morning. So I was, I did, was a scuba instructor. So that allowed me to continue with working with people uh, and allowed me to be, you know, 6 a.m. We'd be on the, when the sun was just rising, we'd be on the boats ready to go hit up our first two dives and, you know, we'd be back on, on land around 11 a.m. So I got my nature out of the way. I got, you know, meeting new people out of the way. I ate my Thai food at 11.30 and I had the rest of the, the evening to work on my business. Um, so that's what I was doing and I really uh, enjoyed it. I remember sitting once watching the sunset from the beach and being like, this is the first time in my life where I am 
not following money and I'm not feeling like I have to follow some certain path. I'm just living. This is just peaceful. Like there was like a peaceful moment that came over me. Like I have no, you know, no expectations. Just living a very peaceful life and enjoying the sunset from that from that beach from Surrey Beach. And uh, I remember that I like remember that in detail of that that feeling. I've never had that before. It was always like, okay, I'm working in Korea. Okay, I still have to get my masters. Or like I still have to do this. I still have to do that. And it was like a, a feeling of finally like some serenity. That's such a powerful realization. Yeah, it just sounds just sounds simple. It's what I love about that island. I try to make my way back there every year. Uh, this was there actually last month for about two weeks. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. Like I've, I've gone diving with people who are CEOs of massive software tech companies worth millions. And I've gone diving with people who have, you know, barely a couple of dollars. And it doesn't really matter there because everyone's just a community. We all enjoy the oceans and we all enjoy diving. And, you know, that, that social hierarchy of who you are doesn't really matter. It just matters that we're here, we're enjoying nature, and it's yeah, it's very simple, simple living. But on the other side, uh, this was kind of was also one of the toughest periods. So while I, while I was saying that it was really peaceful during that first month, it was also really the next couple of months became really really challenging for me as the e-commerce store didn't take off like I thought it would. And that's when kind of self-doubt started creeping in. So I worked really hard on it and, you know, I tried different things. And when I added up how much we made after a couple of months and the amount of time I put in, I was like starting to really doubt myself and wondering if I should give up on it. So I reached like a, a level of, you know, self-doubt that I, I'd never really had until that time period. I felt kind of lost at that time period because, you know, I, it was the first time I, in a while that I went to try something and basically you could say I failed and looking back at it, it's, it's totally fine. And I'm glad, I'm really glad that I did it. Uh, but at that time period, I remember being like so confused on what to do and that it didn't work out the way I thought it would be. And I thought it'd be so much easier. I put the time in, I put the hard work and it just, and it just didn't produce results. And so I was going through a pretty difficult time. Uh, I was living in Bali. I was living in Thailand and I just didn't like that drifting feeling. And I wouldn't, came home home and was in Chicago and yeah and that kind of even like even secured the feeling even more of like you know going back home and you know you're just like what are you doing like oh you're at your mom's house like like you don't even have your freedom anymore so uh yeah it was it was a really rough rough time period for me at that time and uh, I was sitting behind a screen and not going out in nature and I was driving myself nuts. Like I, it was the lowest point I think in my last 10 years was this moment of just like, sometimes I'll just sit, sit in my head and be like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? I knew I needed to just keep moving forward and finding different ways to get myself out of this rut. So I reached out to a mentor and uh, I had a mentor who he said, you know what? I think you're onto something with the idea you have. It's good. Maybe you should try a different different method maybe you just have to approach this in a different way so what i did you know in the next couple of months was i actually ended up makes so much sense now uh moving all our stuff to amazon so you know it's a quick tidbit like you know i think there's two kinds of purchases you have you have you know your impulsive purchases so you're scanning instagram or facebook you see something cool and you purchase it uh you know just impulsively like a, i don't know some cool tie-dye socks or a cool hat but the product we were selling at that time, which was, you know, caps and gowns uh, for master's students and doctoral students, 
that's not impulsive purchase. You're not going to go on Facebook and you know be like, oh, this is a cool cap and gown. I always wanted to wear one inside <laughs> my house, you know. And so, yeah. So then I tried Amazon, and it was insane. Like everything is sold out for the fall graduation. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is interesting. And so that's kind of the e-commerce store that we, I kind of grew that e-commerce store, put everything on Amazon FBA. You know, I started adding new products and new colors and new styles. And so that's kind of one side of what I do now is this online Amazon store called Cafe Diem. What ended up happening was I realized I really don't like just sitting behind the computer all the time. You know, I realized that I'm like a very social being. Like I thrive in social situations. That's if you can put me in a business fraternity, if you can put me in a soccer team, if you can put me in an MBA group, anywhere in a social situation, that's where I thrive. Like I live for that stuff. And so, you know, I realized I can't like, while the, the idea of you know being a digital nomad which is like all over instagram nowadays of working behind a computer screen and trying to sell something all day it sounds so appealing i really miss the human connection and i miss the classroom i miss seeing people every day and i miss routine and i miss structure so i decided you know i was going to go back and do teaching in the mornings and that would allow me in the afternoons to still work on my on my e-commerce stores and other projects uh that, that came around I, uh, I was going to go back to Korea to teach at my old school because I just honestly felt lost at that time period of what to do next. And so I reached out to my manager. He said, oh, we'd love to have you back. And I was just applying for the job and everything was good to go. I had my criminal background check. I had sent my documents to Korea, express mail, like tracked and verified. And it was lost in the mail. And I was like, wow, to get lost. Like, how is this possible? And it had to get sent by a certain time period for me to get my visa. Coincidentally enough, a, a teaching job came up in Warsaw. I applied for it and I spoke to the director and then the, the school owner. And I was like, nah, I wasn't really thinking much of it. But when that my papers got lost, I was like, oh, wow, I think this is a sign. And so, yeah, I ended up pursuing that route. And I remember that first couple weeks back of being with the kids and having the structure. Uh, it just felt right again. Like I had this whole new wave of confidence and this whole new wave of, you know, assurance that, okay, this was <laughs> what you're missing. Like, you know, you're a social being, you need to be around people. You cannot, you know, just be working on a computer behind the, you know, all day because you'll go, you'll go nuts. It was just such a great 180 turnaround from a really tough period. I always think about what I think I read in Tony Robbins book is like, you're either always, you're either spiraling up or you're spiraling down. You're never kind of like a, a status quo. Like you're either moving up or you're moving down like with health or with, you know, fitness, like you're either going up or you're going down and the same thing with life. And so it just kind of just, everything was just spiraling up. And so I got super involved because I just missed the community. So I joined a basketball team and I ended up being like the captain of the team. And then uh, I did, I joined a soccer team and then actually got into my most recent thing, which is improv comedy, mm. um, which I've absolutely loved. I actually went to go see a show. I messaged them and I remember sitting at, at the show and be like, gosh, that just looks so fun. It's always been on my bucket list. And I think I was always just scared to be honest of just pursuing it. 
and I messaged them and, you know, they, they invited me to their practice and they just threw me into a show. Uh, and it was Halloween. I remember being like really nervous before getting to the show. And I remember being like, you know, this is, if I'm feeling this nervousness, this is a good feeling. I should be feeling this. This means I'm growing. And I did the show. I had so much fun. And people came up to me afterwards like, oh my gosh, how do you get an improv? And I was like, this was my first show, you know, like this is my first time. And it just felt so right that I could be myself, um, that I could be me, you know, like I don't mm-hmm. think I'm, you know, sometimes I don't, so I don't think I'm cut out for the corporate world because I'm, I'm goofy. I enjoy, you know, having fun. And I really, really enjoyed that. And, uh, and it's, it's so funny how it kind of just kept spiraling up. And like the next thing I knew, I did a couple of shows and, Two months later, someone actually reached out to me if I would MC a tech conference during Warsaw for about 500 people. The next thing I know, I'm, you know, <laughs> singing on stage in front of 200 people, like, we will, we will rock you, having them stomp and clap. Uh, <laughs> like, and I'm just like, and I remember that finishing, I was like, I really enjoyed that moment. I'm like, God, oh, this is just so, this, this experience was just amazing. What I'm really hearing is you part of what happened with your 180 when you started spiraling back upward again was sounds like you really just took a look at where you were essentially out of integrity and you know really seeing that behind a computer screen and and not having that social interaction that's just not who you are that's not what lights you up and so you started to do things to move you back into integrity and and kind of following that curiosity and and I love that you you were kind of saying that, hey, I was nervous. So I figured that was probably a good sign that I should move forward. So it was just this like, it was one, getting back into integrity. Two, sounds like following that curiosity in your intuition. And three was that last little step, which was getting back out of your comfort zone. So that's a, that's a pretty incredible way to get yourself out of a rut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my gosh, I feel like you're a, a psychologist and everything you summarize is exactly, I think, yeah, you're right. Beautiful. Well, hey, Jordan, I, I really appreciate you sharing your journey with all of us. And, and just as we start to wrap up this conversation, I think it would, it would be beneficial to sort of just review how, how you are now and how you look back at, at the time that you spent in all these different countries and doing all these different things. So one thing that I'm really curious about is this, everybody sort of has a definition of success, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm just really curious how your definition of success has evolved from when you graduated college to now. What what's what's shifted for you? When I was graduating college, I think it was probably the stereotypical terms of success that you think of, right? The stable job, the promotion, the fancy title, the you know, having a nice place in the city, being able to buy your friends drinks and all that jazz. But you know, it's a fantastic question. Uh, and I think it's really changed for me a lot. I think it's honestly being able to be inspired to do what your gut and instinct tells you to do and being able to follow through on that instinct and being able to trust whether it's the universe, whether it's some special spiritual being, whatever you believe in, to be able to follow that feeling, whatever it is it's telling you to do, and everyone has their own feeling, and not being afraid to pursue that route, to being able to overcome the fear 
that, you know, that maybe it's not right, or maybe you'll fail, or maybe you'll be a loser in the end of life, or maybe you won't have a house, or maybe you'll move back home, whatever it is, to overcome that fear and just give it a shot. Because I think if you don't give it a shot, you know, you'll regret it later on. And, you know, it's so easy to just follow some job and do everything everyone else does. But then sometimes I wonder, like, you know, did you dream of, you know, selling insurance as a kid or whatever it is that people are doing? And it's totally fine if that's what you're doing, you enjoy it. But I'm sure there was something else that you was kind of, you know, you had an itch and it doesn't mean you have to quit your job, but maybe it meant, you know, writing a book, maybe it meant starring in a play, maybe it meant doing improv comedy. Nowadays, we have so many opportunities to basically do whatever you want. I mean, all the courses that are there, I mean, in a year or two, you can become a specialist in almost anything. So I think it's, it's a really cool time period. And so I think it's following your instinct to give your gift and serve others. It's sounds like having the courage to follow your calling and, and trusting that it's going to be okay if you do. Yeah. And, you know, just reminding yourself in the end, if it doesn't work out, you just, you know, you go back to where you were and, you know, life goes on. Yeah. I love it, man. Absolutely love it. And um, before we sign off, Jordan, where can we find you? Um, online and, and where can we, where can we follow you in your journey? Yeah. This whole, uh, improv thing has kind of, for me, sparked this, you know, feeling of being myself and I really enjoyed it. And so kind of recently just started, uh, had this idea last year of starting this podcast. So over the last seven years, I've just had all these experiences and have met all these people that are doing really interesting things. And so, I had this idea to, you know, why not share some of these great stories of people pursuing these really cool things outside their comfort zones. So I recently started this podcast. It's called The Travel Tribe. Uh, right now we're doing like Facebook Lives uh, with people who do some, you know, extraordinary things outside of, you know, the typical norm. Uh, yeah. So if you want to follow the journey, we're on Travel Tribe. Uh, join us, join our tribe and enjoy some of the inspiration uh, that we have from some of our guests. I love it. I will be sure to put all of that information in the show notes. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I I get so inspired by watching your journey. You are someone who just lives his life by example. And um, I really appreciate you coming on to share your story. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listener with? I remember hearing a podcast from someone that says when you're able to overcome you know those challenges and really stepping outside your comfort zone like that's where the beauty lies that's where the juices of life come in and i i think that's so true it's like once you once you take that step forward and you're you trust your instinct and you go into the unknown and you know i think that's where life becomes exciting i think that's where your life starts becoming a story that you want to tell later on in life of you know, what you pursued, your challenges, your struggles that happened from pursuing your life. And, you know, I kind of think of it as a story, like it just gets more exciting by you, you know, reaching outside your comfort zone and seeing where it takes you. You know, people are so funny after, you know, all these years of travel, everyone's looking for some crazy wisdom that you have. And all I can tell you is, you know, there's so much out there. There's so many opportunities. Like if you're feeling a rut, like there are so many 
opportunities or things you can do or pursue. And so just trust your instinct, like really trust your gut, what it tells you to do and just get over those fears. Thanks so much, Jordan. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Dustin, so much for having me on the show. It's honestly an honor to be here. And I uh, am honored that you consider me as one of your guests uh, uh, for your show because it's, 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 yeah, it's been a pleasure talking with you and I'm really inspired by what you've been doing uh, with your podcast. And I'm excited to hear about your journey and how it ends up. And uh, it's, it's nice for you to be so vulnerable and, you know, raw with, with your whole journey. I think your viewers are going to really appreciate that. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Jordan. And I really hope that you were able to not only be inspired, but be able to take away something tangible for yourself. You know, I know, I know Jordan would be the first to tell you that the journey that he's been on has not been easy. And, you know, he, he underscored a little bit of it in, in the podcast, but there have been trials and challenges that he has had to overcome and internal battles that he has had to deal with in order to continue to evolve, continue to go into the unknown. But he'd be the first also to tell you that just like I, it, he doesn't have any regrets. He's he's proud. He's proud of everything that he has he has accomplished. And my hope is that you don't just dismiss this as, you know, something that somebody else can do, but you can't. It is absolutely possible. And, and as Jordan mentioned, it starts with just getting in tune with what, what your intuition is telling you. And, you know, he said, it doesn't mean you have to quit your job. It doesn't mean that you have to move to another country. But what are some things that you can do to start to get back into integrity, get back into the things that really light you up, whether it's starting to write or taking classes or joining a league or starting a podcast? I mean, that, that has really brought so much joy and energy back into my life. So that's my hope is that this, this story has inspired you to take a look, take a look inside and see, see what might be possible if you stepped out of your comfort zone just a little bit. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to start exploring. So thank you so much. And until next time, be well.